my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome everybody to another episode of Financial Heresy, where we talk about how money works so that you can make more keep more and give more. Today, I've got a really good friend of mine, the Economic Ninja, uh, as a guest on the episode here. We're going to be talking about real estate. Uh, We're going to hear a different perspective on real estate than uh, I have brought on to the show in the past. And uh, my friend Economic Ninja here, he has a long history with investing in real estate, accurately predicting and making money off of the financial crisis and is now looking at what's going on today. And we're going to dive into the ways that he's looking to make money uh, in this uh, in this new era of uh, of housing in the U.S. So thanks so much, Ninja, for joining us today. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for having me on. And to say this is a new era in real estate investing is an understatement. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Let's start off. I want to hear your story. Um, The, you know, your first kind of entry into real estate, how you got into uh, making money with real estate before the financial crisis and then leading up to it. Yeah. So I got into real estate 
on the back end of the dot-com bust. I was investing in stocks heavily in 1997, 1998, 1999. All of a sudden, we see the dot-com bust happen the next year or so. And I took my losses. I, I actually moved most of my money out because I saw that cycle coming, but still took heavy losses. Well, thank heavens, I found a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. Probably one of the fastest books I've ever read in my life. Totally changed my life, the way that I saw cash flow um, separate than investing. Totally different realm, right? There's investing and speculating, but then there's actually building streams of revenue. And so I bought my first home. Uh, ironically, uh, my wife was in tears the week before we were in escrow on a home because a lady told us, a mortgage uh, broker said that we couldn't afford the home, that we don't make enough. Uh, we needed to make more money and left my wife completely in tears. And I would not settle for that answer. So literally a week later, I'm in escrow. I have a lender that would lend us the money at even a better rate um, than what this uh, schmo told us we couldn't accomplish and then got my first house. And then six months later had my first rental and I didn't look back. I was buying at the peak between flipping properties and buying real estate, uh, actual you know, multifamily properties, two to four units, nothing that big. I uh, was six weeks in between each property. And so me and my wife were very busy. I think we had four escrows open at once, just a mom and pop shop. And, and it was great until 2006. What what changed in 2006 that made it not great anymore? You know, I guess I really skipped through that, Cole. Like, tell me your story part really quick. <laughs> let me uh, let me oh. backtrack first because, yeah, that leads up to what uh, saw this. So when I was doing my real estate uh, business, like I said, it started out with with cash flow. I started out with a one one bedroom, one bath condominium in Lake Havasu, Arizona. It cost me seventy thousand bucks. It was awesome. Rented for seven hundred and eighty dollars a month killer cash flow with the minimum down payment. Um, I moved on to multifamily because I found out that it was just a lot less risk, right? You you had a duplex, if one person moved out, you're still getting 50% of the income coming in. Um, and so I built up a portfolio of a handful of multifamily properties along with that condominium. But then I got into flipping homes. And this is what led me to what happened in 2006. So in California, I didn't want to own any property uh, as far as rentals because of the unfairness, they, how they treat landlords, how they benefit the, the tenants. So if tenants weren't paying rent, uh, the laws in California are meant to pretty much bankrupt the, the uh, landlords. And so I saw that ahead of time as I was diving into every book I can consume. And back then we didn't have YouTube. I wish we did. Um, it took a lot more effort to consume content, right? So as I was learning about the rental laws and the tax laws about real estate, I found out like, look, I'm going to separate my business in two portions, the cash flow real estate and then the flipping real estate. And what I was going to do, my first flip, I actually made $45,000 in a period of eight weeks. Now, with that being said, being a full-time firefighter, I was working seven days a week for a full month to make that. But $45,000 was incredible back in 2003, 2002, I think it was. And so I was using that money to go and put down on more properties. My goal, dumbest goal in the world was to own one piece of property in every state. I literally in my office had a beautiful office and I had a map of America and I had pins and I had four pins set. And that was literally the dumbest thing I could have ever done because I figured out really quick in tax time, I needed to file in every state. So I threw that idea out the window. 
Um, but what happened was, as I was flipping these homes, I started to see as we were moving into 2005, mid 2005, I started reading about a gentleman named Michael Burry and uh, what he and a team that were getting mocked at the time. I was reading this in the Wall Street Journal and other uh, publications, but they were getting mocked for how they felt about the mortgage-backed securities. And what I was seeing is that the Federal Reserve started raising their rates. I started seeing not only real estate prices continue to go up because by the end of a real estate cycle, you see people that get desperate, right? They see everyone else around them making money and then they move in. It's that fear of missing out move. And people were getting squeezed. People were buying cars they couldn't afford. Gas was going up in price. And I'm like, this this can't keep going. Well, then we started moving into what's called these ninja loans. For a lack of a better term, uh, no-doc loans, things like that. Ways of getting people into that home um, because they couldn't afford the payment. So whether it be stated income loans or, uh, or negative amortization, they were trying anything they could, banks, to get them in these uh, loans, these homes. And I started thinking, I go, you know what? This is not going to last very long. And I started researching cycles in real estate, how they go up and down based off of Federal Reserve policy, mortgage rates, uh, uh, really a lot of data. But really, it only came down to that Federal Reserve policy, hmm. the interest rates. And I started to see that the homes that I was flipping, were the days on market were expanding. And by early 2006, I had this epiphany and it was literally get out and get out now. And so I started to not only liquidate, drop my prices on my flip homes uh, more aggressively, I started to liquidate our other real estate. And I figured that as this started to correct, as interest rates kept running up, and they actually plateaued, I believe, around 2000, mid-2005, um, as that pain kept going in the economy, there was going to be a coming to Jesus moment, literally, just like what we saw with the dot-com crash. So by mid-2006, I liquidated all my properties except for three. And those three literally almost took me down financially uh, as well because I had an issue with a tenant. And so uh, when I was getting out of real estate, I was warning everybody I could. I said, these uh, adjustable rate mortgage loans, the, the 3-1 and 5-1 arms are now coming due. And they're, 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 the, the mortgage rates are going from a fixed rate for the first set of years to a much higher uh, variable rate. And people simply can't afford them. And there's going to be issues. These negative amortization loans, the, the interest was getting piled on the back end of these uh, mortgage products, and it was getting harder and harder for people to uh, survive. Now, one thing I notice, because I talk about real estate cycles on my channel, it's all about emotion. Every uh, Whether it be stocks, currencies, or real estate cycles, it's all based on emotions. And one thing that is very hard to figure out is how many people around you in your social circle are actually missing their payments. It's an embarrassing thing to talk about. It's never talked about until it's too late. And what I found was that by 2007, because all of my circle of friends were in the construction industry. And what we found was that by 2007, everyone I knew, literally about 80% of the people I knew were behind on their mortgages. Either they were just behind one or two payments or they were in straight up foreclosure. And that's when, you know, and I was having people yelling at me saying I was jealous of them, you know, that the world is not falling apart. The sky's not falling because I was saying there's going to be a real estate crash. And when that all came to full fruition, and I tell this to people all the time, the crash didn't happen in 08. It was uh, happening in 2006. It wasn't until 2008 that the world realized it because it was all over the mainstream media. We had multiple banks failing uh, because of their ties to the mortgage industry. Now, 
we're right back at that spot, but literally at like a three, four X multiple of how much worse it is. That's what actually blows me away with um, people that can't realize. Now, the other thing I've noticed is that, and I don't want to get too far off uh, topic with you, but um, I'll close this question on this. How many people are in this market right now that are real estate professionals, mortgage professionals, and real estate flippers or investors that were too young to actually be involved in 2006. Everyone that I talked to that has been around and investing in 2006 literally are telling me right now, they completely agree with me. This is the top and this one's going to be a lot worse than what we witnessed in 2008. So that's one thing that just sort of blows me away with the, the age cycle as well. It's just nearly what, 15, 16 years later. But how many people that were dedicated investors or employees uh, or working for commissions back then that are now either retired or passed on just merely at 15 or 16 years later. That's what blows me away. Well, I mean, that makes sense to me considering everybody who is in that industry before it collapsed. And so they, if they're still around and working, they're, they're doing something else. Now they moved on, they got different jobs, they moved industries and everybody that came into real estate after that, hadn't been doing it before. Otherwise they would have had PTSD. They wouldn't have gotten into it. So it makes sense that the people in the industry right now were not uh, in it, you know, uh, 15, 16 years ago. Um, You mentioned watching the Fed. That's interesting. I didn't. So because obviously back then it wasn't like it wasn't like Jerome Powell's press conferences were watched by half the country uh, like they are today back then. Um, it wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't Powell, but it wasn't, it was, nobody knew who the fed was. Nobody knew who the, uh, the, the chairman was. It wasn't, um, it wasn't as big of a deal back then. Um, uh, or if people didn't think it was as important back then. Um, and so you were watching the fed and you were noticing, okay, they're pushing rates up and that caused you to watch the look at the cycles that the fed causes. Um, so Right now, obviously, all eyes are on the Fed. They're tightening. They're raising rates. Um, where are we at in the cycle right now, given what the Fed has done over the last couple of years? My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. 
OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Yeah, great question. So to understand where we are in the cycle now, we have to go back to the Greenspan and Bernanke era. And Greenspan was famous in talking about when he was in front of Congress talking about irrational exuberance when we were talking about the dot-com uh, buildup. Then we had Bernanke move in, you know, the, the quote-unquote pro of the Great Depression. I was watching him like a hawk when they started to raise rates in, uh, it was Greenspan had a part of this, between 2003 and 2005, when they started, it was end of 2003, if memory serves right, they started raising incrementally, 25 basis points about every, I don't know, a couple months. They took the Fed funds rate from around 25 basis points, and this it was 25 basis points, mind you, because they had to drop it massively to spur lending, to spur the economy after the dot-com crash. This is just a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. So they started to raise it until they got that Fed funds rate to about two and a quarter, two and a half percent if memory survey right. I could be totally off. I might be thinking about the 2018 cycle. But what happened was a mortgage went from at the bottom that I remember, um, a 30-year fixed mortgage for a single family home, uh, owner occupied, was around 4.8% to 5.2%. And that was at the low of the cycle you know, in the early 2000s, it brought it right back up to where I started buying real estate at about seven and a quarter to seven and a half percent. Now, Ben Bernanke was famously uh, interviewed by Maria Bartiromo when she was on CNBC. It's funny that I talk about Maria Bartiromo being on CNBC and I get tons of comments on my videos. Like, she's never worked there. And I'm like, oh man, until your age. So uh, she said that uh, it, there's a lot of rumors on Wall Street that the, the housing market is in trouble and that we could see a really big or significant decline in overall home prices around the country. 
And Ben Bernanke, I'll never believe, forget it. I was screaming and almost threw something at my big screen TV, which by, back then they were prehistoric and they were literally like the size of a car. And <laughs> seriously, but um, I was screaming at him because he says, well, uh, I really don't think that I agree with your uh, your theory here because real estate, it, it is impossible for it to fall all around the country at the same time. And what he didn't realize, and or either he realized it or he was just in just lying to us, was that the American consumer had been tapped out, that inflation in both the home prices and vehicle prices and gas, we didn't have inflation like we do now. That's what we should talk about soon. Um, that the American consumer was so full of debt, so full of credit card debt, and they'd started going late on their credit card um, you know, payments, that it was going to be a, an easy guarantee that that crash was going to happen. And so here, Ben Bernanke's sitting there telling you, there's no issues. There's no issues. Keep buying. Oh, and he said, and this was in mid-2006, we have solved the mortgage crisis. And people don't realize that. In 2006, there was literally a quote-unquote mortgage crisis, and the Federal Reserve stepped in, and they said they fixed it. Ben Bernanke was in front of, and this is when you know there's problems. The Fed chairman is in front of Congress and on TV. Once every couple of weeks or every month, you know things are getting bad. And he was doing that in 2006. And then it sort of just went away. Why? Because the Federal Reserve stepped in and backstopped the banks and gave them almost like a line of credit, just bought them enough time to really see some true destruction. And that's where we are now. You literally have the Federal Reserve chairman. This is what blows me away. When I talk about a three or four X multiple, how much worth it is, you have the Federal Reserve chairman coming out and saying things like, you are going to experience pain. It is going to be uncomfortable. Uh, things like, you um, this is not going to be a popular decision. And what blows me away is that's very nice speak for you are screwed. You are going to lose your house. You are going to feel immense pain. This inflation that we are experiencing right now is going to be worse than 1970. Why? It's so easy. The whole world shut down. And there was a bottleneck and then an expansion in the uh, supply chain and then another bottleneck. And it's absolutely blows me away that just like a heartbeat, as it's about to end its life cycle. It goes into what's called defibrillation. Uh, it just starts to go back and forth, all crazy. And that's what we're seeing with assets, with emotions. And that's what gets me super pumped for what's coming. But also at the same time, people like yourself, people like me are trying to warn people to get ready for this because this will be the greatest opportunity of their lives. All right. A couple of things that you mentioned in there that I want to, uh, that I want to circle back to because I think they're very important. Um, number one, you mentioned credit card debt. Now you blow me away on YouTube. Your YouTube channel is uh, fantastic. You cover everything, everything there is um, the economic ninja on YouTube for anybody who wants uh, to check that out. Um, I just made a video about credit card debt on my YouTube channel. You probably already covered this. Um, but right now, credit card debt just hit an all time high and interest rates are unbelievably high. Like they're skyrocketing like crazy. Yeah. And delinquencies so far, they're up, but they're not anywhere where they used to be yet. Um, but it's like, this is a trend that can't continue. And so uh, that's something that you mentioned happened last time where people were tapped out. If you are loading up on your credit card debt while interest rates are going up and inflation is continuing to go up, you're not going to be able to make your payments soon. And that's yes. what's happening so right I'm now. I'm so glad that you used the word yet, 
because so many people look at a predetermined or in their mind, they just look at a snapshot of time as in what's in front of them right now. What happened yesterday? What's going on today? And then they take that information, that data, and they go, well, that's how it's going to be tomorrow. And most people don't realize that with, when it comes to a real estate collapse, it is a slow moving train wreck. Imagine a freight train that is literally going one mile an hour. It's just cruising. And uh, the engineer decided to go take a nap. It's just cruising. There's a semi truck stopped on the, the road ahead of it. It doesn't matter that the train is going one mile an hour or 50 miles an hour. If that truck does not move, that train is going to slowly push into it. It's going to start to push it down the tracks until it breaks in half and slowly just, just destroys it. That's what happens in real estate. In stocks, a crash can happen literally over a 30-day period where you see it 30% wiped out of a stock market. This has happened multiple times. Stock market crashes lead to housing crash crashes, right? Because when a stock market collapse happens, and this is what happened in 2007, people don't realize, 2007, the Dow, the NASDAQ, other stock indices were actually all falling. And what was happening was banks were getting tighter on their lending. They were getting tighter on the lending in an already hard housing market. There was less buyers, less velocity of transactions, which even exacerbated the problem with the, the mortgage uh, industry. So now you look at credit card debt. Credit card debt, the delinquencies are at a certain rate. They are higher today than they were a year ago. They're higher today than they were two years ago. I believe they're going to be much higher a year from now. And the reason why is we are seeing mass layoffs. We are seeing inflation at a rate, just the cost of eggs. It's insane. And, and eggs are so important because it's in just about every prepackaged food. So even if you don't eat healthy, you're going to be hit with inflation. Um, you are going to see in the future more layoffs, higher prices, which means, like you said, even worse, higher interest rates. The Fed has said we're still going to raise probably, what, 25 more basis points. That was before that jobs blowout report. Yeah, we, we, we are in a cycle, a raising cycle right now, and we're facing something that we haven't seen in 40 years. And I think it's going to be worse is that inflation. So when you're talking about today, that snapshot of credit card debt, it's going to get worse. Well, you haven't even brought into the, the fact, which I know you've covered probably student loan debt, uh, mortgage debt, the cost of rent still, even as rent's coming down, which is a, a deflationary signal that shows you where we are in the real estate cycle, but also um, uh, just household living, these costs are so high, the Fed knows that they're about to have to pounce. Now, I don't think they're ever going to get to the point where I don't think Powell's got the, the cojones to, to deal with uh, inflation like uh, Paul Volcker did. And the reason why, it's really not a, you know, a thought about do you have the guts, it's because he knows that the government can't pay its debts at these higher rates. Um, so I think that we're going to actually see a crash before we see you know, a Jerome Powell move rates up into the teens kind of thing. I'm really glad that you said that uh, said the thing about eggs. You said that even if you don't eat healthy, uh, you're going to be paying more because of eggs. So I like that you mentioned that because most people don't know that eggs are one of the healthiest foods. So <laughs> good shout out there. Good point. All right, but you said that Powell he uh, he mentioned or he's he said it basically every single time uh, he's he's saying something publicly. You're going to experience pain. You're gonna. Yeah. It's going to be economically harder. Like we're we're gonna we're we're tightening up the ratchet here on American households. Um, and this, so that's a huge difference than we've seen for a decade here where everybody has expected the Fed to come in and save the economy, save the crash, save the stock market, you know, st stop the pain. Um, because of inflation, 
Now he's saying, we're, we're intentionally trying to cause you pain so that you have less money to spend so that we can get control over the inflation that we caused. Yes. You know what's crazy is that um, you're right. It's nine day difference, but this crash is nine day difference. You see, the Federal Reserve, both Greenspan and Bernanke, weren't faced with inflation. They really weren't. I don't care what the cost of a SUV was back then or then gas doubled in price in 2007. What's happening right now is very scary. And when you said earlier in the in the interview that uh, a lot of people are now focusing on the Fed, they're watching them like a hawk as compared to back then. I don't believe that's actually true uh, because you are focused on the markets. You are an influencer. You are only around people that are intelligently contemplating what's going to happen next, trying to figure out their next move, right? You have put yourself, your social circle is a spade. I mean, huge uh, compared to what I was dealing with back then, right? I still think the same amount of people in the same uh, age brackets were watching the Fed back then. But what's crazy is what, who is it? The amount of people that literally today, everyone in this listening to this podcast, I guarantee you are saying, yep, I know one of these people that are saying, you're crazy. The market's not going to crash. It's different this time. Housing is an asset. It's going to keep going up. And you have no, they have no concept of what's happening. Matter of fact, you want to talk to somebody that's oblivious, just call a real estate agent. I mean, honestly, that's just really what it is. Look at where they get their money from. Oh, I only get my money if something buys or sells. Well, of course, of course, everything's great. They just have no idea because they're not thinking, they don't have that investor mindset like you do. So that's actually a compliment to you and your listeners because honestly, that's where we are right now. And that's what is exciting to me because that means there's going to be that much more opportunity as this crash really gets ripping. When I was a stockbroker in 2000, let's see. When was this? When the Fed was making moves. 2017, 2018, Fed was tightening. Stock market started to crash. Literally, I was a stockbroker. I talked to people who were active investors. I talked to all of my friends, financial advisors, traders. Very, very few people focused on the Fed. Very few people even knew who the Fed chairman was. And the ones who did, didn't understand why the Fed moving interest rates had, had the impact on the markets that it did. Now, I think we're probably back to a similar space like that today, but there was a period of time when all the memes about Powell printing the money, there were a lot of people who were excited about the Fed making moves because they were thinking they were getting rich. Uh, but yep. you're probably right that a lot of people aren't, aren't paying attention today because it's not fun anymore. Dude, let me dive in. You got to be so fired up. I'm so glad you brought up 2017 and 2018. And this is a perfect, that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, these Fed rate hike and uh, dropping cycles and how they affect real estate, all asset classes. In 20, I want to say it was mid, it was the end of 2015 the, or 2016, the Federal Reserve came out and they came out with what's called the dot plot plan. And they actually projected the rate of rise of the federal funds rate and it started at like 25 basis points or something like that. And they were gonna raise literally like a stair step climbing up. Um, Donald Trump became president and I said, okay, here we go. This is it, this is the next crash. I've been preparing since 2010 for this. This is a calculated deal. They were going to take down the markets again because housing was starting to pick up. Uh, the stock market was starting to pick up. Donald Trump came out in October. I want to say it was October 4th of 2018. And he said, the Federal Reserve is trying to crash the markets. You need to wake up. Everyone needs to wake up. And I'll never forget it. I moved my retirement into a bond fund. It was awesome. From just October 4th to literally Christmas Eve of 2018, the stock market, the Dow Jones fell 19.5%, I believe it was. Literally in that short of time. 
Because what had happened was as the Fed raises their rates, all all debt, I don't care what debt you're talking about gets more expensive. It blows me away how people go, 10 years not going to go up because the Fed's raised rates. Well, no, it does. The reason why it does, it's very simple. A bank or a lending institution has two options. Do I put money on loan to the Fed or do I go loan money out to the real economy? Well, as as things get tight and the consumer starts to get tapped, the banks go, that's a lot of risk. So either I'm going to ask a lot of interest from you guys or I'm going to just go put it on loan to the Fed. And as the Fed raises rates, what happens is that risk mitigation issue keeps just rising. They go, well, you know, I'm getting a percent over at the Fed. So I'm going to ask more over there. I'm getting one and a half percent over at the Fed. So now I'm going to ask more over here. And that's how it gets affected. So all credit card debt, everything gets affected. So by 2018, it was the one time I've never seen it. But honestly, unless we had a president that was railing against the Federal Reserve, which we haven't had really since the beginning of Reagan's term and then uh, obviously JFK, uh, the Federal Reserve stopped raising rates in December. They came out right around Christmas time and said, we're not going to raise rates. And then I believe it was in January, they actually dropped rates. That was the shortest period from a, a rate hike cycle to a, a lowering cycle. That did not happen in 2005. 2005, they kept that. It plateaued. The rate, uh, the Fed funds rate plateaued for about a year, year and a half. And we saw equities already dropping significantly before that because people need to know this. The Federal Reserve is in the job of waiting till it's too late. Why? Because they don't want to be blamed for the crash. My job is to make sure everyone knows that they are the blame for the crash because of what they did years prior. And so that's why it's so easy to figure this out. So now you have the rate. Now think about this. Last December, I came out and I said, mortgages are going to explode. Get ready. This is going to be nutty. The, the top is in on real estate. I actually called the top uh, two Junes ago because of the velocity of transactions that stopped. They literally came out. Powell comes out and goes, yeah, inflation's getting out of control. We're going to do something about it in March. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. They're not even going to raise in December. He literally came out. Yep, inflation's getting too hot. We're going to do something. We've lost control. We'll do it in March. We're going to kick back for three months and just watch this happen. Because they don't want to be blamed when they start raising rates. And at first, it's crazy. People in equities are all excited. Like, yeah, the dollar's going to get value. It's going to be great. No, no, it's not great. Because after time, Lending, borrowing gets more expensive, and that's how corporations run. They don't run on profits. They run on debt. People don't get that anymore because it's more advantageous to, for a corporation to take on debt and blow its cash than to uh, literally hold cash and invest that way because they get taxed the way the tax laws work. So anyway, that just it, to say that this is worse, I know I'm selling a broken record. I'm just, I'm pumped. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't try distracted Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation, compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. <laughs> I'm glad well, you brought I want that to get up there, into Joe, why you're you excited. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to get into why you're excited. First, let's talk about what's going on right now. You brought up real estate agents before and real estate agents, when you ask them, what do you think will happen to the real estate market? That's a vi- you're going to get a very different answer than what you than if you ask them, what is business like right now for you? <laughs> if you ask them, what, yeah, what, is, what do you think is going to happen? It'll be, oh, I think it's going to be flat. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a little bit of a low year, you know, a little bit flat, whatever. But if you ask them, how's business right now? Uh, you know, it's been it's been two months since I closed on a property. Oh, yeah. And I love it. So I'm a licensed real estate agent. However, I call myself the worst real estate agent in the world. I've owned two brokerages. <laughs> One was a, a smashing success until the broker got too too big for her, e- her ego, got too big. But I, I've had all kinds of different cycles in this. And it's crazy because. Um, a couple of years ago when I was working as a real estate agent, um, I couldn't stand it because I knew where we were in the cycle, right? When the world got locked down and I was more focused on getting in with the backside of the banks and becoming an REO specialist where I literally worked with banks on the back. There's offices they don't even want you to know about where they have to clear out literally 50, hundred homes at a time. And then my job is to, excuse me, fund all of that. Like I literally go in, I pay to change the locks. I do all that stuff. Totally different than what you think an REO agent is. And so you talk to real estate agents now and you're like, so what do you think's going on? Like, oh no, we're going through a correction. This is good. This is healthy. They always, it's a it's, it's a good thing. And now, you know, buyers finally have the upper hand. They're trying their hardest to try and sell you on that back end. You know, no, this is good. It's a healthy thing. Well, how has it been? Like you said, like, well, I actually haven't closed So like, I'm actually starting to work as an Uber driver. And which is sad to say, because I just did a video for Uber drivers. I'm like, get ready. You're about to have more competition than you 
could shake a stick at. And I get Uber drivers telling me I'm wrong. It, it's just, it doesn't matter what um, uh, industry you're in. It's very hard to see the tea leaves or the writing on the wall, unless you're an investor, you've been there long enough. So I've already totally lost topic of what you're saying, but I, I mean, you're totally right. These people that are in the industry that work on a commission are literally lying to themselves. The sad thing is a lot of them, they're invested in Airbnbs. I mean, literally how many agents I know that own an Airbnb that is about to stop running, not only because of uh, the economy and people don't have the money to pay more than a hotel costs and hotels have the ability to lower their rates. Um, Airbnbs usually do not because they have fixed costs. But then also you've got literally the cities that are shutting down Airbnbs left and right. It just, it blows me away. So even agents that you would think are amazing because they're driving around a Range Rover that they can't afford, um, you know, and they've got all these assistants, uh, they're literally hemorrhaging money right now. It just blows me away. Yeah, it's a good point because it brings up just a wider lesson of life that uh, sometimes it's not, the, the best skill is not being able to find the, it's not about finding the answer. It's about figuring out the right question to ask. Um, yes. And specifically for this, it's like, well, don't ask, you know, a professional what they think is going to happen. Uh, it's a better question to ask what is going on for you right now. Um, okay. So the real estate crash you anticipate will be three to four times worse than it was last time. But you've said multiple times now, you're really excited about that, not because of the pain other people will have, but because of the opportunity. Every every problem is also an opportunity. So what kind of things are you looking for to start happening that look like an opportunity to you? Okay, so one thing that happens during a real estate crash is that uh, lending gets tight. Banks get tight because they're losing. They're hemorrhaging money. They are watching foreclosures stack up. They do not feel like running out and giving you a smoking deal on a loan with zero points. Okay, so that's one thing. So when I talk about it, um, opportunities, that's not that you're going to be able to walk into any bank and they're just going to give you a property at a great rate, okay? What you're going to find is you're going to find desperate sellers or banks that are liquidating homes that they foreclosed on. And you're going to need to figure out how to get that money. So one thing I want to stress with people is you can't walk into a real estate crash scenario as an investor the same way that you would invest today, because today it's quite easy to get a loan if you have a good credit score. And as a matter of fact, if you're just breathing, because I've got pulled up right now just news articles about how many um, stated income mortgages are out there, right, because they're having a hard time lending you're not gonna be able to just jump in and get that loan. So you need a good credit score, you need money on the side, and you need a balance sheet that works so that a bank can trust you to either take over payments of a, of a foreclosure that they've got or literally uh, buy it outright, right? So that's one thing. The other thing though is the opportunity is massive because there are ways of being able to get large amounts of debt on the books in one whack, either hard money loans, which I do not uh, suggest now, but uh, during a downfall, when things are literally at their worst, when it's at the bleakest, when everybody's telling you you're crazy to buy a house, that's when you know you're at the bottom. That's, it sounds funny, that's regardless of Fed uh, uh, monetary uh, policy, uh, that sort of plays into it, but like, literally it's all about emotion, right? You wanna race in when everybody's saying, you are a joke, you are nuts. There's ways of uh, getting debt built up to where you could buy multiple homes at once. And that's where I see the most value. Um, when this crash takes back, this one will be so much worse in one aspect uh, because of inflation, because of the rates, all that stuff. I do believe we're going to see double digit mortgage rates. 
right? In this cycle. To, to say that that's not even possible is insane to me because of what happened in 1980 and 1982 around that era. Um, but what opportunities exist is commercial property. Commercial property, real estate investing has been out of the reach of most real estate investors because of the amount you need down, the rates and the terms. You have literally just witnessed a time in history that is unlike any time in real estate history in our country. And that is technology exploded and allows more companies to not need a building to do business. B2B uh, business or uh, e-commerce, all this stuff, internet has literally blown out um, the need for commercial real estate. So I believe that there is about to be a day where you're going to be able to pick up commercial property and redevelop it into residential property in ways that have never been open. That, that gets me really excited. It's a whole new realm that I never moved into when I was a real estate investor. I was just doing residential, especially mixed use properties. I, I can't wait to buy up homes on uh, properties in Main Street, USA that have like a little storefront and then have a couple of apartments above. I mean, think about what you can do with your side hustles and businesses downstairs while you are getting cash flow residential real estate upstairs. That's just so exciting to me. But then another thing that really gets me so excited about this crash, because I believe it is going to be horrific, quite frankly. Um, and I'm not joking. Like we're talking Great Depression style, but because of advancements in technology, it will be as sharp. It will be sharper on the decline and uh, and faster to recover because of modern monetary policy, right? The computers, uh, digital currencies, things like that. Um, but what will happen is the ability to help other people, which will increase your net worth because of as you take people with you, both successful people that are entrepreneurs who take them alongside you, but then you also help people that have been beat down. There are so many good people in this world that uh, just, it's not their lifestyle. Like you and me, we love making money. We love, you know, investing. We love helping people make money and become successful. But there are so many people that just do a nine to five job. They just want to be good people. Well, they get caught up in this. They get caught up in the minutia of life and then, uh, and then, trying to impress people they probably don't even respect in the first place. And then they have to do this reset. When you're able to help those people, that's really where you become successful. I mean, your your money explodes and your 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 life credits, for lack of better terms, explodes. Uh, your karma points, right? Uh, you get blessed that way too. So that's another thing that I'm super excited about. I really like that idea that you brought up about turning commercial property into residential. I mean, when you look at supply and demand right now, um, the supply and demand of commercial real estate in uh, in the United States is absolutely insane versus the, the average across the world. Like we have way too much <laughs> compared to yep. everybody else. Um, residential is uh, kind of uh, kind of the opposite. Like we still have people moving here. We still have immigration. Our population grows. If deglobalization continues, we'll probably likely to continue to have more and more people moving here. Um, and so we do need more housing. That's not to say that the price or the cost or the value of the housing that we do have won't go through a crash, like you're saying. But it means that long term, you take the stuff that's oversupplied, like commercial, and turn it into stuff that's undersupplied, like residential. There's a reason why companies like Costco are researching building apartment buildings on top of Costco's right now. Like that's a thing. Wow. The big money. Is well, I didn't even know that. Right wow. Now. Yeah. So, so, so something yeah. I want to talk about real estate crash too. You just brought up a good point. People talk about crap. I talk about crashes all the time. Um, the, the value of the monthly cost of your living expenses never changes. People, that's what people need to realize. Uh, it always stays within this range of, 
two third, one third to two thirds of the take home income of the average person in any community around the country. So what happens is when real estate prices crash, they only crash because the cost of buying that home went up significantly. And what's the one major reason borrowing costs will go up? It's interest. It's uh, the mortgage interest. Now, taxes have spiked in locales before, and we've seen little towns implode. But really, by and large, as mortgage interest goes up, the cost of buying that home goes up on a monthly basis. And that's what 99% of the human beings that buy homes care about. So what's crazy is we talk about a real estate crash, but getting into a home is still going to be just as expensive. There's only a very small window where it becomes less cost to buy a home. And I'll give you an example. This was in 2010 when mortgage rates dropped. And again, as the Fed aggressively dropped the Fed funds rate after Lehman Brothers collapsed, it took time and it, it was a lag that um, mortgage rates fell. Now, when they fell to their bottom around 2010, 2011, maybe 2012, um, that was the point where it became cheaper to rent. But ironically, you didn't see all the renters dive in. And again, when you talk about affordable homes or a housing crisis, we had the exact same conversations in 2006. And the only reason is there wasn't a population explosion. What there was, was all of a sudden a bunch of people watched a bunch of people getting into homes and went, well, I want to get into homes. And then by then, by the time they actually did something, it was too late. Homes exploded in price, inventory was low. All of a sudden we got a housing crisis. No, that housing crisis went away a couple of years later as the price crashed, but you didn't see those same people go, oh, I'm gonna dive in. No, they didn't because like you said earlier, they were burdened down with credit card debt. So now their credit uh, scores are, are destroyed. And that's what's crazy to me. If you can do anything right now to prepare, save your credit score. You're going to want to use it. If get out of debt, uh, you know, don't get any more debt, but if you could save your credit score, you are going to be like the golden goose, crapping out credit score numbers at, at your uh, local bank, and they're going to want to give you a house during this next crisis. Now, whether you want it or not, or you can afford it or not, is a totally different thing, but, but that is where we are today. Construction, new construction is always a lagging indicator to the strength of a real estate market. Why? Just take the long term time for a guy that owns a construction company like I do. I just actually just left my construction company, but uh. It takes a while for someone like me to go, you know what? I think the market's going up. You know, I think this is a good time to buy a piece of land, get a permit, do the building and sell it. It takes years. And so that's why you see the most amount of uh, properties being built. And I'll tell you what, that's another example. Because I talked about 100 homes my first year during this crash that I'm going to do. And this time I'm going to be on YouTube. I'm going to do it by buying up literally swaths of homes that are three quarters of the way built by from Lennar. I'll go in the backside. You'll never see these properties hit the market. And I'll go negotiate these with the banks and I'll go buy 10 homes in one whack and we'll finish up and rent them. So that's the kind of stuff, you know, between commercial and then buying up homes that are at three quarters of the way built, but you're in need cash to come in. Those are the kind of opportunities I see. Fantastic. Well, you have a wonderful real estate course that I'm going to link in the description below. The The coolest thing I think about your courses are that you add to them consistently over time. So as this real estate crash continues to accelerate, opportunities start to come up, you're going to be documenting the things that you're doing to take advantage, give the actual strategies and tactics to start making money. Um, so I think it's it's a, an insane value, the amount of money you're going to be able to make by following the uh, the steps in this course. So I'll link that below. And then also thank your you. YouTube channel where you throw up YouTube videos multiple times a day. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, you know, it's, it's funny when we're talking about courses, I think the most valuable thing we could do is keep giving people 
like on time and legitimate content. You know, there's one thing to invest in yourself and, you know, buy a book and read it, but then you've got to go buy the next book and the next book because things change rapidly. And like this mortgage uh, uh, situation, it's going to change very rapidly. And so that's what I want to do. And I appreciate, I really, I didn't even know you're going to do that. And I thank you so much for that. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Fantastic conversation. I always love talking with you, Ninja. And uh, for anybody who wants more, check out those links in the description below and have a good day. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.